Welcome to the Christchurch Impact Ministry Podcast. Today, we're joined by Justin and Aaron Boudreau, a foster family from our church, as they share about their fostering journey. Well, hi, guys. How are you? Good. 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 Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Why don't you go ahead and start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, Yeah, so my name is Justin Boudreau. I have been a member of this church um, so long that the building that I started in no longer exists, and it was the only building when I started. So um, I've been here since birth, 1989, Um, aside from the, the three years that we moved to Arkansas to work on my master's. I'm currently the um, high school counselor at Web City, um, also the boys and girls soccer coach um, there, one of the assistants. So um, that keeps me busy. A um, little bit about myself. I, uh, like I said, born and raised here. Um, now I'm the, the coaching coaching soccer. Love doing that. Um, sports are a big part of my life. Music's a big part of my life. Um, and then obviously the beautiful lady sitting to my right is a big part of my life. So um, I'll let her share a little bit about herself. I love that. Deep roots. A lot of deep roots here. Okay, Erin, tell us about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Erin. Um, I have been a member of this church. Uh, we started coming here when I was in junior high, so quite a long time as well. Um, I am the HR generalist um, at Arvest Bank, so I've been there almost 10 years now. Oh, gosh. Um, so— I mean, my family is my life. Um, when I am not at work, I am with my our now five-year-old son, wow. which I think we'll talk a little bit more about yes. him in a little bit. But um, and soccer being is a big part of our life between <laughs> Kevin and my husband. So Whether she likes it or not. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so how did you two meet? Where did the Boudreaux love story begin? <laughs> Um, well, we, I think we had crossed paths in junior high. Um, she dated one of my friends and I'll be honest, I wasn't nice to that friend about dating her, uh, you know, cause junior <laughs> high boys are weird and rude and, you know, say things. So, and he um, had I, your girl, he, he was did. dating your yeah. girl. So I think subconsciously I knew that. And so I made <laughs> fun of him so that they would break up and then I would eventually, you know, be able to shoot my shot. So we had known of each other, I think, all through junior high, um, and then getting into high school, we both um, were involved in show choir, and that's kind of where the where we caught each other's eye, I think, for the first time, and yeah, kind of blossomed from there, obviously. So, am I missing anything? No, I think that's it. <laughs> what is it? Sixteen years? Yeah, later? we're going on sixteen years. Um, I guess we'll we'll talk about how I asked her to be my girlfriend because. It involved show choir. We were after after a choir concert. We're sitting there talking. We hadn't officially made the commitment. Hey, will you be my my girlfriend yet? And so I said, Hey, I want to talk to you after the concert. And we get in the <laughs> in the cafeteria, and I panic and I freak out and I say, um, Go home and get on MSN Messenger. I have something I want to ask you. Stop it. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> she knew by then, like, who is this guy? Is a loser? Like, he can't even ask me to my face. But. We got home. I asked her on MSN Messenger after, you know, mom got off the phone because back then you had to wait for, you know, dial up to, <laughs> to go with my mom. I need Millennial to problems. Yeah. <laughs> so get on MSN Messenger. I asked her and she said yes. And here we are 16 years later. So. Oh, my goodness. That I did not know that part of <laughs> yes. the story. That's so Even good. Then, the, we have we have two good stories of like how we dated and how we got engaged too. We were in Dallas the day before I actually proposed to her, and we went to the Grassy Knoll where Kennedy, you know, yes. was shot. 
and we're sightseeing and doing all that stuff. And then the next day we're driving back up. And luckily my wife doesn't understand geography because she would know that if you're coming to, to Web City from Dallas, you're going to go up through Oklahoma. You're not going to go through Arkansas. Yeah. Well, we stopped in Arkansas because I wanted to propose to her in Fayetteville where it kind of overlooks the the city. So we do that, you know, and get get engaged. And as we we're, we're with a group of friends and as they start walking up, I kind of pull her to the side and say, hey, come here. I want to, you know, I want to take a picture or something. I don't know what I, I told her, but because I'm panicking and sweating and all that fun stuff before a guy proposes. So she's like, no, our friends are like, they're walking away. We got to catch up. I'm like, no, I need you to come here. Oh, my word. <laughs> and so I'm like, I get down on a knee and say my thing. And she's just kind of blank staring at me. And I'm like, is that, is that yes? It's like, yeah. And then there's people that are sitting in their car looking over the the same view that we're looking at. And I just hear this clapping in the background. And we're, so Oh, my we're, word. Uh, yeah. But she came back later and she said, I thought you were going to propose to me in Dallas. And I said, on the spot where JFK was shot, you thought I was going to propose to you there. Quite a room. So my wife is quite the history buff and she wasn't aware at the time that that's where we were. So yeah, that so two is good, hilarious. two good uh, stories of how we started dating and got engaged there. I love that. I <laughs> love that. That is the best. Okay. So like we said earlier, um, you guys are foster parents. So what did that journey look like for you? Like when when did you decide that? How did you decide that? What did that whole process look like for you? Yeah, I think it was a it was a process that had weighed on us, I think, for a little while. Um Aaron had always had, you know, come into marriage wanting that to be part of our story and her story. Um eventually. Um we had struggled having our own children up to that point. Um, and then we had, we had gone on a community impact, um, um, kind of mission trip in town, um, where we stopped at DFS and we stopped at, um, the criminal justice building. And, and we kind of just got to thinking like we could, we want to do something in the system. We don't, we don't understand what that looks like yet. Um, and it was probably about a, a year long process, process of us going, foster care, should we get into it? It's going to be hard. Is there another way we can get involved? And then we finally, um, took the classes, like I said, that next, I think it was sometime in April or May. And then that next April, we, we took classes to become licensed, um, went through that whole process. And then we got our first, first placement about a week later because <laughs> the system has many kids that are in need. So it didn't take long for us to get, get our first placement. But, um, Throughout that year, I think it was just a process of us going, okay, God is, he's obviously called us to this, um, or else we wouldn't keep having it pop up in the back of our heads. Um, and it was something that we didn't take lightly, obviously. We didn't just dive in head first. And, and there was a lot of prayer and a lot of consideration and a lot of of understanding, like, this is, this is going to make our lives uncomfortable. This is going to be a difficult process, but the payout of, of what we get to do through that, I think, is, is worth it. So... Um, <clears throat> it was a journey that, like I said, was about a year long of us deciding, you know, is, is this where we want to go? This is where we feel God, God calling. And, um, I think there was probably more pushback from me than there was from her. Um, originally, I think if it was up to her. We'd open up, you know, a building the size of this church and taking all the babies. <laughs> but, um, for me, it took a little more convincing, um, in terms of trying to logically think through like, how are we, can we afford that? You know, can we, keep our family, you know, her and I intact in terms of our relationship and that kind of thing. But um, we finally just 
you know, turned it over to God and he said, let's do this. And we said, okay. So it's cool to, you know, kind of look back on your story and see all of the ways that God was putting pieces in place and moving things into place for that to happen. You know, you guys not even really knowing that he was doing all that. I remember that impact day at being at children's division and even just like kind of watching you guys process that a little bit, like walking by the cubicle that had a cot in it, like just thinking through all of that. So clearly, Aaron, that was like impactful on you. Like what was that, like the emotions of that and that process, like how how was God working in your heart leading up to that? Yeah, it definitely felt like, um, I, I remember them saying that there was like 480 kids in just Jasper County alone that were in the system, and then like another like 200 and some that could be placed in the system in foster care at any time, and they just didn't have a whole lot of foster families that they could place these kids with, and so um, just loving kids so much, and that's really been always been a passion, helping in the nursery, helping with the youth group here, that's really been a passion of ours, and um just weighed on my heart. And I feel like it it just all kind of worked out the way that God planned it. I feel like. (laughs) I love that. I love seeing all of that kind of come together like that. So, so you said, you know, a week after (laughs) the classes, you got a placement. Tell us about, um, you know, obviously they're, you know, being mindful of confidentiality, but kind of about the placements that you've had and how, how those have gone and what that looked like. And then, you know, Eventually, Kevin, your son, tell us a little bit about that process too. Yeah. So he was actually our very first placement that we ever got. And um, I remember the day well because I was playing one of the best rounds of golf I've ever played in my life. And then she called on like the 15th, 16th hole. And I think I at least triple bogeyed every hole from there on out because I was just freaking out about what was about to happen. So she kids, called me. And kids s- just like to just change our plans. <laughs> yes. That was your first lesson, yeah. kids yeah. changing things. So she she called me and said, hey, um, there's a, you know, our caseworker or whatever was calling and um, they have three boys that are that are siblings that are, um, would have been at that time, what, four, six, and 18 months, something like that, 15 months. She's like, are we, are we ready for this? And I was like, well, We've never been one to just, you know, do things half-heartedly. So if we're going to go for it, let's go for it. So we we took them in, um, one of those being Kevin, our, our now five-year-old. Um, he was the youngest of that group and his two older brothers um, and had them for about a week and a half until the aunt of the middle middle son um, came forward and said she would take them. Um, and then she had them for about a month or so. Um, and then the DFS called us back and said, it's not, it's not working well for all three of them. There's a lot of trauma there. There's a lot of just them being together is not good for, for them. So we've decided to, to separate the three of them. Um, would you guys be willing to take back the, the youngest one? And we said, absolutely. So we, we took him back, um, and obviously have had him ever since adopted him in 2021, 17. Or yeah, 2021. Yeah, 2021. Um, in August of 21, um, and then we've kept in contact with his brothers throughout that through Zooms and through one of them has stayed. Two, both of them were in Springfield in a a group home for a while. Um, so we got to have kind of constant contact with them. And then one's moved on to St. Louis. One stayed closer in the area. Um, and so we've we've made it a point to try to keep as much contact with them and let him know you have you have two biological brothers that. We want to be a part of your life um, as well. Um, in terms of other placements, I think COVID 
kind of threw a wrench in some of that. We didn't, we did some respite stuff throughout um, COVID. And then once we adopted him, we kind of put a pause on taking more placements, just let us, you know, kind of gel as a family. Um, And then in January, um, Aaron called me and said, Hey, there's a newborn baby that they need to need someone to take home from the NICU. Are we interested? And I said, well, I'm working on my second master's degree. This is the busiest time of school year. Kevin's in school. I'm about to start soccer season. Yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> why not? We, you know, yeah, so. I also just have to say, I'm seeing a theme here that the caseworker calls it Aaron, yes, and not yeah. Justin. They know, they know that I'm gonna, I'm probably not gonna say yes. So, um, yeah. So we said again, you know, yeah, life is already a you know swirling mess. Let's add a newborn, a, a NICU baby at that to the to the mix. So we spent a week in the hospital, off and on. She would you know, stay, you know, mainly overnight, I would get Kev going and then we would kind of flip flop throughout the the days. And then we finally brought him home towards the end of January, first, second week of February, somewhere in there. Um, and we've had him ever since. Um, but yeah, we've had, I guess just two, two real placements throughout that, but on some respite work throughout that time too. So. I love that. That's busy, (laughs) busy, busy time. Why not just add in another one, you know? Okay, so we we all know that fostering is is a journey. It comes with a lot of challenges. There's also a lot of joys. What are some of the biggest joys you have experienced in your foster care journey? You want me to go? You go. Okay. Um, I think for me, you know, as grounded as I try to be and as logical as I try to be, I think just the the whole idea of foster care is that everyone involved is in an uncomfortable place. Um, and so just being in a, in a position where we can take kids that need love and they need somebody to care about them and they need somebody that is going to show up for them on a day-to-day basis, um, regardless of what we're dealing with, you know, that, that falls by the wayside just to, to be able to give kids, um, a home, whether that's for a week and a half or whether it's to the point where we get to adopt them or, um, you know, however long that is, I think just being a light for those kids. And I think on the backside of that, getting them to getting to be a light for the parents involved too. Um, sometimes they need to, to see that, you know, maybe they've messed up and they've gotten to a point obviously where their, their kids are taken, but that doesn't make them any less valuable, um, you know, to God and to the kingdom. So, um, I think just, especially now with, with Kevin's situation, it was different. Um, mom and dad ran out of jail and there wasn't a whole lot of back and forth between us and the parents, but with our newest placement, we've gotten to have a lot more contact with, with the parents and just, I think investing in them, um, just as much as we invest in, in the, the baby, um, has been, been impactful. So I would say those are, those are definite some joys, just the relationships that we get to build, um, with, with obviously the kids, but I think with the adults too, and just letting them know that, you know, we, you messed up and you're in a place where maybe you don't feel it, but you're, you're loved and you're valued as well. Man, that is such a good word. That is so valuable, so huge. Cause I feel like, you know, so many people do have that mindset of like, you made, you made a mistake, you lost your kids. So there's no grace there, you know, that kind of a thing. But I love hearing from not just a random person, but from foster parents who are saying like, Hey, this is, this is messy for everybody. And you have so much worth and value. And we want you to know that like, this isn't just, you know, your ministry to a child. This is your ministry to a whole family. And, um, I just love that. I think that I think that's so so valuable. And I think that's for me anyway. That's part of what led me 
to say yes to the foster side is being a, before I worked at the high school, I was a LPC with Ozark Center. And so I got to see the, or I had to see, I don't know what you, what you want to call it there, but um, I was a part of seeing the brokenness of parents that had their kids in foster care and, and a part of the brokenness that led them, they had, had made those bad decisions and maybe were continuing to make those bad decisions. And I, I thought when this, this process was brought up for us, like that's a, that's a moment for us to impact those parents just as much as it is to, to the kids. Cause I'd seen the brokenness from the, the parents side before. So. Absolutely. And that's ministry that, I mean, you know, you're not saying like, okay, come into this church building and then we'll help you and we'll love you. Like you are, you're taking the church into those situations. Like you're ministering to a demographic of people who more than likely are are never going to come into a church building. They're not feeling like, you know, that they have worth and they have value, but you're, you're taking the gospel and, and the light of the kingdom into that. And that's such an incredible thing. So I love that. So those are some of the joys. What have been some of the biggest challenges of fostering? Yes. So um, I would probably say the system as a whole is very broken. Um, There are many different areas I want to think about. When we had Kev from the time that we got him to the time we adopted, we went through eight caseworkers. Um, It is a very—they're not greatly paid for all of the— time and the energy that they put into these kiddos. Um, I couldn't thank our caseworkers and our social workers enough because they really, I mean, they, they're just amazing. Um, but it's a, it's a hard job um, dealing with all aspects of it, of the families and the kids and coming and visiting them and all the paperwork and stuff for the courts. Um, so it's, there's lots of challenges with that. Um, through the time with Kev, um, just like having to explain to each new caseworker or people that were coming involved with us, um, here's where he's at. Here's where his brothers. At times, there we knew more about his brothers' situations because we were keeping those relationships up than yeah. the caseworkers did. Yeah. So, um, just lots of areas there. Um, Childcare is also I'm finding with this <laughs> with this little guy. Um, there are a lot of childcare places because of the certain situation with. Uh, foster kids, they don't take foster kids. Um, and so it was, it's been a challenge ever trying to get him into a daycare. So lots of different challenges when it comes to the foster system. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's just messy. Like, you know, like you said, Justin, it's like, everybody's in a weird place. Nobody's like, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that this is the situation we're in. And so trying to navigate all of that and, you know, especially now with, you know, you guys and Kevin, making sure your family is stable and good, welcoming in another child. I love you were telling me the other day about, you know, I was asking like, okay, how is Kevin doing with this, having a new baby? Like, how is that? And it feels like you guys have done such a good job of preparing him. Like, hey, we have this baby temporarily like this this family's working hard to get to get him back and and you know just kind of really trying to help him process those emotions and guide him through that so i know that that has to be hard cuz 
there's a lot of feelings involved. Yes, that that's definitely he will he'll go around telling people we have a baby, but he's not ours. Like, <laughs> so we have to kind of explain. Oh, we're foster parents. I promise we're not kidnapping <laughs> like, children. Uh... <laughs> like, um, so yes, there is lots of even just not just him, but our families. I feel like we went through the classes and were able to prepare and understand. Like reunification is the thing we are looking for. We want these children to be with their families. Um, that is the ideal situation. And so our families just preparing them as well because they're going through this just as much as we are. They're they're a huge support to us. So going through that and trying to help like, hey, this is what we're looking for. We get to love on him. We get to pour into him um, and the families while we have them. And then he gets to go back and have a great life with his parents. Like that is what we that's what we want to do. Uh, I would I would say on that that same front, you know, we obviously have always been on the same page, but getting family to be on that same page too that we not that we don't want to keep him, but like that's that's not the goal. The goal is not for us to keep him. The goal is for his family to do well and to go back. And so I th- there's been some pushback, I think, over the years where maybe some have, have stayed kind of distant because, well, I don't want to get attached. And, you know, we, we kind of sit down and have that conversation. It's like we we want to because that's the point. Like if we if we get attached and we put everything we have into this kid, then we've done, we've done right, you know, by, by him or her or whatever. And so I think at times trying to get family to buy into that, like we don't want, like, we don't want 15 kids running around the house. We want those families to get better. We want them to go back to, you know, their mom and dad where they belong. And, um, so yeah, I think in terms of challenges, I think sometimes just getting everybody involved on the same page, um, in terms of the support system. But yeah, I would, I would echo too that I think our family support has been one of the bigger, bigger strengths that we've had throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And I love, you know, like you guys that, you know, Kevin, it, it did lead to adoption. And that is a picture of God's beautiful redemption of brokenness. But it, it did come as a result of brokenness. And so, you know, we see in foster care when there's brokenness and a child can reunify, like that's beautiful redemption. Also, if it's not possible to reunify, adoption is God's beautiful redemption. And so seeing, you know, all those sides. So I love that. I love that that's where you guys are at with that. So you were saying, you know, your family support has been really helpful. What other things have been really um, like impactful in your support? Because we see at Christ Church a lot, like we don't believe everybody is called to foster. That's not, you know, we don't think that's everybody's calling, but we think that everybody can play a role. There's lots of different ways. So what has been, what have been some of the things that were the biggest support to you in your journey? Yeah, so back to that day where we got the call for Kev and those two siblings. Um, The first thing I did after we said yes before going to pick them up is I went to Fostering Hope, um, the caring closet there in Carl Junction, um, because we had never had kids in our house before. So I just, like, I had no idea. So I asked the caseworker their sizes, and I went over to Caring Closet, and they were amazing helping me pick out some different outfits so that, um, because when we did get them, we, I mean, they were in no shoes, clothes that weren't, that were dirty. So it was really great getting to, hey, here, here's some great outfits that we can wear to school this week or um, some nice PJs to keep you warm for tonight. Like, so it was really great getting to go to Fostering Hope. Um, They're a huge help. Um, Also, our parents. I don't think we'd be able to do this without our parents um, and our family, our friends. Um, It is a challenge is a time consuming. We are very busy, as you heard before. Um, so visits and things like that, helping um, drop off, pick up. I know that's also something the church works with, um, has some different help there, some support. Um, but our family has been great with helping us with dropping off visits and helping pick up and 
um, get them to where we go so that Kev can still go to soccer practice and t-ball practice. We can still go to games and we're working most days. We're full-time employees. So Uh, it's, yeah, it's like this crazy thing. It's like a ministry that you say yes to on top of like the life that you're already living, like your jobs and your family and all of that. It can add so much, but I love hearing that, especially about fostering hope, just what an incredible organization they are, how much they mean to our church and that, you know, this month we get to highlight them and support them and do a lot with them. Um, They really are just such an incredible organization. So thank you guys so much. It has been such a joy to just hear your hearts. And it's been so cool to just, you know, from the outside, like watch your journey. We have these, um, info meetings we do at Christchurch about foster care from time to time. And sometimes we have a ton of people and sometimes we have two people. And every time I'm like, I don't know how many people are going to come. And I think back to the one that you guys were at where it was just you too. And you sat down with a um, somebody from Children's Division and talked through that. And I remember thinking like, oh man, that's such a bummer that it's only two people here. But now that I look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, God was so faithful in that. They even, you know, he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know the things that I am lining up to make happen. And so just so cool to, to have seen, you know, your journey and to hear your heart in foster care that you don't just, you know, you're not just looking to to adopt a bunch of kids and bring them into your family. But you're saying like, no, we're going to, we're going to go all in. Like we are going to love you with everything that we have. And when it's time for you to go home, it's going to wreck us and it's going to rip our heart out. And it's going to be the hardest thing we've ever done, but you get to see them go home and that's incredible. So I'm just so thankful for your hearts. Thankful you've been a part of Christchurch, you know, forever, forever. Feels like it. And I'm thankful that you now communicate with your wife, not just on MSN Messenger. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing. Well, thank you guys so much.